Thank you for joining Bowling Green Christian Church this week. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit BowlingGreenChristian.org. Well, good morning again. Man, was worship good today? What'd you think about that? Yeah. Is this for the baptism? We got something else. There's another thing happening up here. Did y'all lose a bet? <laughs> this is all a small group. So if you're going, I don't know if there's a small group for somebody like me. <laughs> Just look up here. And then you realize there's a small group for everybody. Yeah, yeah. If we can help these people get into a small group, we can get you in a small group. All right, thanks for... thanks. But we are doing a baptism later. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we're celebrating that. God got that happening. So awesome. Yeah, you should clap for baptism and getting people in small groups and worship and what we've been able to do in the community. It's, it's pretty awesome. So, hey, listen, we live in a time, I don't know if you've noticed. Okay, first off, I just want to tell you all, I'm done with the word unprecedented. We're just, I'm done with that word. Let's retire it. It's so tired. It is, it, it is unprecedentedly tired. Let's just be done with that. But we do live in a time of great misunderstanding. Do you agree with me on that? Do you think we misunderstand each other? Three people. Thanks, Mom. Um, yeah, okay, a couple people back there. Agree? Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. It seems like we live in this time where we just like, like we make a point to misunderstand or maybe not understand each other. You know, either somebody's completely wrong or they're completely right, and it seems like there's not a whole lot of in between. We live in a time of, of misunderstanding. Um, Social media doesn't help. Texting doesn't help. Well, shoot, I sent out an, an email a while ago to our community group leaders, and I was like, hey, uh, we're coming into this relationship study. Uh, you know, I know most of our groups are predominantly couples. Uh, ask the few singles that are in your group, because uh, I mean, know we've got them kind of sprinkled throughout, and see what they want to do and let me know. And somehow this got like switched around, and there's this giant misunderstanding, and they're like, all the singles have to leave and go to like single land for a while, and I went back and read my notes, and I was like, that's like, what is single land? Like, no, there's this, you don't have to do that. You can stay right where you are. That's fine. Uh, misunderstandings. We have them. It happens. Uh, it happens in relationships, right, where you get maybe into an argument about being late, and then you realize that the argument's not actually about being late. It's about this perception that maybe you're never there for me, or you don't show up, and, and, and that's really what we're fighting about. It's a misunderstanding. Uh, people have it all the time when they go out into the world and do business. I mean, how many of you have heard from somebody, man, I saved $100 today. But when you ask them, like, so you put $100 into your savings, they say, oh, no. No, I spent $400, but it normally costs $500, so I saved $100. You're not understanding this properly because you actually spent $400. That's like, there's nothing got saved. It got spent. That's what happened. We have these misunderstandings. Maybe it was a friend called you up and said, hey, let's, let's go get some deli today. And you were like, oh, I don't feel like deli. And then you realized that it wasn't about that. It was about spending some time together. And you, you missed it. You misunderstood it. This happens with faith all the time. Jesus is probably one of the most misunderstood people, I think, of all time. He said so many profoundly deep things. And people you know, I think maybe intentionally misunderstand them sometimes, or they don't take the time to understand them, and it gets bent out of what Jesus really meant to say. It seems that there's kind of two predominant misunderstandings when it comes to the gospel. One is this idea that I have to be uh, so religious that it will offset all of the bad stuff I've done. 
uh, and there's this misunderstanding that if I follow Jesus long enough and I do enough for him, that it'll like go on a scale like for good, and then if that outweighs my bad, then that's going to mean I get into heaven. So that's one misunderstanding. There's another misunderstanding about Jesus and about what he's called us to do, that he has just forgiven everything, and he's just so gracious, and he's just so nice, and he's just, you know, he's kind of like a grandfather just handing out Werther's Originals all the time, and, and you know, I, I can kind of do whatever I want. Now that I've got Jesus in my heart, I can do whatever I want with my life, and it doesn't really matter what I do because he's so gracious. And we have these misunderstandings of the gospel. I want to look at a passage that, that I, I don't think I've ever preached on it. I, I think it's an interesting passage. It's not one that's probably your life first. It's probably not anything that you've adopted as like, man, you just have memorized this passage of Scripture. Uh, but I think there's a whole lot here that we need to get a hold of if we're going to try to sweep away some of these caricatures of Christianity and truly understand Jesus. So Matthew 5, pick up in verse 17. Here's his teaching. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is what Jesus is doing. If you ask Jesus, what are you doing? What's your job? He would say, it is my job to bring in the kingdom of heaven and to make it a reality. And, and this is a now and not yet phenomenon. Jesus is gathering people into the kingdom of God, and these are his followers. And he is saying, listen, if you come in and you follow me, you know, you're part of the kingdom right now. The not yet piece is where everything becomes perfect and comes under the reign of God. We call that heaven frequently. And so Jesus is saying, listen, if you come and you start to tell people not to obey the law, you tell people not to pay attention to these things, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's pause for a second, because we don't have a lot of Pharisees like in the traditional sense running through. I know we use that word, but in Jesus' day, Pharisees were actually really well-respected. I know that in the church they get a bad rap, and we kind of talk trash on them, but, but the Pharisees were like your neighborhood local rabbi. They were the people who would have taught your church or your synagogue. They would have been the person you would have gone to for spiritual advice and counsel. And these were people who were viewed as very, very, very holy, very, very, very righteous. Now, they took all of the laws in the Old Testament and they said, man, these all apply to us. Even the ones that were sort of designated for priests, they said we should all live in that really high, holy calling. And so they would do wild things like with kosher laws. They would, you know, they wouldn't... Um, they wouldn't, like, there's different kosher laws, like you shouldn't boil a goat in its mother's milk. I mean, that's kind of weird. That's kind of, like, twisted. You know, you probably shouldn't do that sort of thing. And, and so they, they took that to mean, like, you shouldn't eat meat and dairy on the same kind of day. And, and then they took it, like, where, like, they would strain their water through a piece of cloth so that way they wouldn't swallow a bug that might be unclean. And, and so they, these are people who are really, really committed to righteousness, and Jesus here is saying something pretty profound. He says, listen, you can't get into heaven. You can't get to the kingdom if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of the Pharisees, of the teachers of the law. 
So for this caricature that says, oh, you know, the law doesn't really matter, Jesus is kind of taking that away. He's saying, no, no, listen, you can't erase the law. You don't just get to rewrite the rules. You know, that's not an option. You don't get to subtract from God's law. You don't get to add it to it. You don't get to edit it. You know, our efforts to write off God's law frequently lead us to frustration and brokenness. Let me tell you, you can't wish away sin because when you face sin or you encounter sin or you sin, you start to realize that, no, it needs to be dealt with. Here's the thing about sin. Sin, I think, gets misunderstood. It's like, it's like God made a playground or something and then said, oh, it looks fun, right? No, that's sin. You can't go in there. You can't go in there. That's, that's sin. But, but really, what God has done with sin, sin is like a warning label. It's, it's like God created the world and it's all really good and then there's like this giant sinkhole with like laser sharks in the bottom of it. I'm trying to keep our middle school kids engaged. Laser sharks, kids. And um, so you've got laser sharks in the bottom of this sinkhole and it's like God is saying, no, this is sin. If you go into here, it's going to destroy you. It's going to hurt. And if you've ever sinned or been sinned against, you know that that's true. If you've ever had somebody tell a lie against you, you don't have to be told that sin, right? Because it hurts. You know, if, if you've ever lied to somebody and you had that relationship of trust broken, you know that sin. You know that it hurts. Stealing, same kind of thing, right? If you've ever had anything stolen from you, you know that it hurts. Uh, I mean, it's easy to see it there. Sometimes we struggle with some of these other types of sins. You know, one of the things that you know, I know people struggle with is like, like divorce. Divorce is a sin, right? It, why is it a sin? Because it hurts you, and it hurts the people around you, and it hurts a community, and it can hurt your family. You know, God is saying, listen, don't, let's try not to go in the zone because this is hurtful. It will cause damage to you, to your soul, to your relationships. Let, let's stay away from that. Things like drunkenness, it's a sin. Why? It can hurt you. It can cause you to hurt other people. You know, pornography, you know, it's a sin. Why? It damages, it damages you. It increasingly studies, you just go to psychology today, WebMD, secular sites, they are linking pornography to the problems of ED. The reason the little blue pill is on the rise, and a large part is because of pornography. It is ruining men and their capacity to have intimate relationships with real women. Friends, it's a sin. God is saying, don't go there. Not because, man, this is like a playground, this is going to be funny. He's saying, no, if you go in here, you're going to get hurt. And so Jesus is saying, listen, we don't get to just rewrite the law. We don't just get to move sin away or or redefine sin and say, no, that's not going to be sin. That's going to be okay for me, but that's going to be sin for you. We don't get to rewrite that. We don't get to change it. Because obeying God's laws bring us life. I know we don't like the word law, we don't like the word righteousness, we don't like these kinds of words, but the truth is, righteousness is a gift. God's law is a gift. It brings us a full life. We just talked sort of in physical terms about how that you know, sin can damage us here in this life, but Jesus is taking it to the next level. He's saying, listen, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, he says, you're not going to get into the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to make it there. Well, what, how are we supposed to understand that? He's saying the law doesn't get set aside. It's got to be fulfilled. And the law really is kind of a zero-sum game. It, it's, it's something that CPAs and accountants and lawyers, they love this kind of stuff, right? Because it's right or it's wrong. It adds up or it doesn't add up. It's a balance sheet. You know, this is, it, it does or it doesn't you know, reconcile. How, how do we understand that as Christians? Because we are supposed to be under grace, right? Well, the Apostle Paul, he, he explains this. If you're new to Christianity, I want to give you a a challenge and I want to give you a a thought. 
And if you've been a Christian for a long time, I want to challenge you with something else too. Always read like an order. Like read the Gospels first and then work your way to the Epistles. Because the Apostle Paul explains what Jesus is saying. So often we start with the epistles because we like those. They seem to be a little bit easier to understand. And then we interpret you know, Jesus like you know, we allow Jesus to be secondary. Jesus always gets to have the first voice, the first word. And, and here the Apostle Paul is explaining some of this for us. He says, before the coming of this faith, that's the faith we live in right now, we were held in custody under the law. We were locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian Uh, The word there really probably is better translated as tutor. It was somebody who helped you with your your homework once you got home from school kind of thing. The law was our tutor until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. Hang on to that. We're going to come there in a second. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We're no longer in need of the tutor. You see, the guardian here, this, this tutor that Paul's talking about is the law. The law is there to show us the way to life. And the law, really, in the Old Testament, including all of the kosher laws, including all the things that that in Christ we don't have to obey, the dietary restrictions and those kinds of things, the law was there to teach us really three primary lessons as far as I can tell. The first two are this, God is perfect, and the second one is that we are not. It's real simple. God's perfect, we are not perfect. And to live for eternity requires perfection. Let's think about this sort of in a a different kind of way. You know, your sin in this life, you know, if you get, I mean, what the average lifespan right now is like 79.8 years, something like that. You know, you might not, you know, have total destruction in your life because of your sin in this life with those, you know, decades that you're allotted. But, But could you guarantee that your sin isn't going to lead you to destruction if you had enough time and opportunity? If you were given all of eternity... In a world of perfection, you know, is, is your sin not going to cause damage to you? Think of it in terms of like your car. Let's say you've got a minor problem in your vehicle. Uh, I've got a, a little minor problem in my car. It doesn't start sometimes. Um, you know, it's just a minor problem. It's not a big deal, though, because it, it, it always starts eventually, and I'm always in town. But if you were to call me up and say, hey, let's go to Alaska, I'm probably not going to say, hey, let's take my car. It starts 98% of the time. It's really great. Uh, that's not going to happen, right? Because I have the sense that if we're going to drive all the way to Alaska, we're going to go through Canada because you've got to do that. Uh, you've got to go through Canada. I just, I, I don't trust it. You know, and the same thing with us. We might trust ourselves for this lifetime, but is it going to get you all the way to eternity? Probably not. You know, likewise, in this lifetime, you might keep your greed, anger, hatred, lust, all that in check, but could you for eternity? We're presented, with, we're presented with infinite possibilities. You see, listen, in the garden, after sin entered the world, death comes, and it really comes as a gift. Because God knows that to live for eternity without him, we call that hell. And so death comes as a means of a reset to start over. Eternal life, friends, it requires perfection. God is perfect. We are not perfect. And the problem is that we can never be perfect. You can't live up to the law. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. You're saying, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. In other words, even these people are not good enough to get in. And, and when you ask people, you're like, are you a good person? The number one response is, I'm a pretty good person. Because we all have this deep understanding that we're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect person. You are not a perfect person. None of us are perfect enough to last through eternity. 
So how do we do this? How do we attain to this perfection? Well, we can't, but that's okay. Because the third lesson the law taught us was this, is that something else can take your place. Something else can take your place. You see, the focus of the Old Testament law was really the sacrifices. It was the sacrifice of the the lambs and the goats and the birds, and there's this whole list and litany of things that you could sacrifice for sins that you committed intentionally, unintentionally, unknowingly, unknowingly, all these sins that you might commit. God said, listen, here's somebody, something that can take your place. And the law was given to teach the people of God that there is a way to have righteousness that's not yours applied to you. You see, we can have the blessings of the law through Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is getting at in Matthew 5, 17. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words, to complete them. Jesus is saying, I'm not wiping out the law. I'm not rewriting the law. I am zeroing out the law because I'm going to meet all of its requirements. All of the debits and the credits of righteousness are going to be taken care of, and it's going to come out to zero, and your balance is going to be paid because I am the one who is going to fulfill the law for you. So unless your righteousness equals that of the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, you're not going to make it there without my help. That's what Jesus is telling us. Jesus knows that God requires perfection, and so he is perfect for us and imparts his perfection to us. So now we can live forever with God because Jesus has satisfied the law. He's given us his perfection, which liberates us and sets us free to follow God's law. Now, let's come back to the law, because now that Jesus has fulfilled it, what do we do with it? Well, we've already seen how it leads us to life. Sin is sort of a marker around the things that are destructive and hurtful and harmful. So when we follow God's law, it leads us to places of blessing and fullness and and depth in our relationships and goodness in our communities. It's not something we have to follow because it's how we're going to get to heaven. It's something we get to follow because it gives us a taste of heaven right now. You see, righteousness is a gift. It's not a requirement. Jesus took care of the requirement. He's now saying, listen, you can walk in righteousness and you will find that it is a fulfilling way to live. Righteousness is God's gift. It's a guide to a full and complete life if we understand it properly. Jesus explains this. He summarizes it for us also in the the book of Matthew. This phrase, the law and the prophets, shows up really twice where he fills this out. It shows up a few more times than that, but he explains what it is. Matthew 7, 12, he says, So in everything, he says, Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus says, All right, now that I've fulfilled all the requirements for you, if you're wondering, like, what should I do or not, he says, Well, do to other people what you would want them to do to you. Think about how you would want to be treated if you were in their situation and go treat them that way. This is a real simple way, Jesus says. Listen, and you're now set free to do that. You don't have to do it because you're afraid. You don't have to do it because you're, you know, you're commanded to, and you don't have to go to them and be like, well, you know, I wouldn't normally do this for you, but I have to you know, if I want to get to heaven. And Jesus says, no, you've been set free to love. That's the two greatest commandments. In Matthew 22, he tells us that uh, the two greatest commandments are to love God and love our neighbors, to love the people around us. Here's what he says in 22, verse 40. He says, all the law and the prophets 
hang on these two commandments. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. To love God, love your neighbor. You see, this is where he's missed the point. You know, they were so focused on the minutia that they missed the purpose of the law. They had this huge misunderstanding that God gave them the law so they could, they could follow it and, and somehow attain to perfection. But the law was there to give them a means of grace through sacrifice. They thought through the kosher laws and through these fine details that that was going to be the way that they would please God. When what they needed to realize was that God was pleased with them, which is why he gave them a means of grace. They missed the point. To teach them and us that, that we're not perfect, that God is, and we need his grace. Because of that, they missed what the law pointed to, Jesus Christ. The law was pointing us to Jesus from the very beginning. He's the one who makes it all possible. And they failed to live in love because they were so focused on the rules. When the rule was designed to teach us how to love, that was the point. So, I mean, friends, Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. None of us could be more righteous than the Pharisees. None of us could be more righteous than these people. These were people who had classes in righteousness and holiness. They even wore special clothes to help them be more holy, to remind them of God's continued presence. Friends, if they couldn't be good enough, there's no hope for us. But that's okay, because Jesus came. He has fulfilled the law. And now he has set us free to follow it without fear. So let's not miss the point and think that Christianity is about following all the rules so that way we can be good enough and be better than our worst selves because that's not it. And let's not miss the point thinking that the rules no longer apply because they are still God's direction for a full and complete life. See, Jesus has come. He said, listen, I'm wiping all this away so that we can just enter into a relationship free from fear, full of love. So let's not substitute God's grace for rules. Let's not accept his grace as a license to do whatever we want. Let's realize what it is. It is an invitation into a relationship with God. You know, that's why when we think about entering into a relationship with God, and if you're newer to faith or you just sort of, you know, one of the things that, that, that's been given to us is the act of baptism. And in the act of baptism, which we're actually going to celebrate here today, somebody is put under the water in a reminder that they've been buried that they have been buried to the law, they've been buried to sin, they've been buried to death, they've been buried with Christ. And when they come out of the water, I tell kids and I tell adults because I love this idea, the first thing you do is you take that breath. What is that breath? It is the Holy Spirit rushing into your lungs and into your life to fill you with power to live for God. And so that act of baptism is where we start our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's where it begins. That's what happens there. And it's, 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 some people look at baptism and they go, they get it wrong. They go, well, this is a thing I've got to do. This is a rule. No, no, this is a gift. It's a grace. I'm thankful for the gift of baptism. So I know some folks have got questions about baptism. And so here's what we're doing. Next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, I'm going to lead a baptism class. And so if you're coming from a different tradition where baptism maybe wasn't practiced and, and you've got questions about it, or maybe you've got a kid that's got questions about it, or you just want to understand baptism more, join us next week at 9 o'clock. Join me next week at 9 o'clock. You can RSVP using the Guess What? the app. You scroll down to where it says Take the Plunge, Interested in Baptism. We try to keep it super clear around here. Uh, you touch that. You can RSVP. If you forget to RSVP and it's Sunday morning and God puts it on your heart at 8.45 to blast over here with your hair undone, we'll still take you. 
Uh, but show up. Let us know you're coming, hopefully, so we can have enough handouts for everybody. But don't, don't put that off. Man, God is saying, listen, I want to start a new relationship with you. Let's put the law behind us. Let's put, let's put all these things behind us. Let's begin this relationship of grace where you're set free to love. That's what God's calling us to do. Now, some of you, maybe, if you know you're ready for that today, man, we'll, we'll celebrate that with you today. I'd, I'd love to. Uh, love to do that. If you've got questions about baptism, you've got questions, uh, you're online, you can text the word prayer to 270-842-6231. We'll pray for you. We'll try to answer your questions. You can message us through the office. You can connect with us here. I'll be sticking around, around after service. Love to talk with you. Or if we sing this song, you, man, you just want to come, you want to talk, I'm just going to sit over here for a few minutes before we go get ready for our baptism. I'd uh, love to talk with you about that. But this morning, friends, I, I think I love this passage because Jesus is inviting us in, in a passage that seems to be focused on the rules. What he's really saying is, listen, I've taken care of it for you. So let's celebrate that. Let's enjoy the grace that Jesus has provided. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing.